Go with me to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah 57, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 15 in your hearing. Isaiah 57. Appreciate all the good singing and uh, been a great blessing. Like a cool drink of water in a desert. Man, it's just wonderful and I appreciate the great spirit of the Lord. Appreciate Brother MacDonald, men of God that have had a vision to put this meeting together. And uh, appreciate them so very, very, very much. I have a great respect for them. And uh, hopefully somehow this week we can be a blessing. That's all I pray, if God would help us to be a blessing. And uh, that's all I ask. He can break the bread and pass it out. And he gets the glory for it. Amen. If he can take two sardines and five hush puppies and feed 5,000, then certainly he can take whatever we have and multiply it. Isaiah 57, beginning to read with verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth, for the Spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is afar off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And uh, also Luke chapter number 7, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. And uh, chapter 7, verses 31 through 35. I feel the presence of the Lord here tonight. Praise God. And I want him to do something here tonight. I pray that when we leave here that God would do something to us that could set a momentum for the rest of the week. Somehow get it kicked off tonight. Let God do something that would just open up our hearts to receive what God has. I believe God's got great things in store for this camp this week. Amen. Luke 7, 31. And the Lord said... Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another, and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. I want to just talk to you a little while tonight, open up my heart to you, and talk to you on this little subject. The proper ascent to the house of God. The proper ascent. To the house of the Lord. Would you lift your hands and pray with me now that God would anoint his word 
His servant in your ears that we could hear the voice of the Holy Ghost tonight. Speak, O Lord, for we listen intently for the voice of the Holy Ghost. God, we need your touch, your direction, O Lord, in this camp meeting tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you know, O Lord, the hearts of men and women that stand in this auditorium. I pray, Lord, that you would answer the questions in every heart. God, that you'd stir the mind and soul of everyone that is here tonight. God, do your wonderful work. Knit us together. Walk among us. Lord, let your spirit reign and let your spirit blow upon your congregation. We need a renewing of the Holy Ghost tonight. I pray that you would do that, Lord. God, you're the only one that can do it. Lord, we stand in your presence knowing, Lord, that without you we cannot do anything at all. But if you'll help us, Lord, we'll give, be careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. The Bible said in Psalm 47, 1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Shake hands with your neighbor and then you can be seated. God bless you for standing so lengthy in honor to the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Praise God. I realize and understand that uh, in this day and hour we, are, we deal with people that have an attitude that uh, almost that they like to condescend to people. I uh, met some of those today that were not so very kind and uh, they felt like that they were somewhat aloof to the rest of the world. Perhaps maybe they felt like they were the elite of, of society and, and certainly that should not be the way that we ought to be in the house of God. Now I'm going to address some of that tonight and then I'm going to go into something that the Lord showed me several months ago it was a revelation to me and that's what i want to share with you tonight but i i look at it and i realize uh, like one gentleman he was just a young man felt a call to preach and and uh decided that he wanted uh, the opportunity to preach and so they gave him uh that opportunity to use service and this boy had a great thought together and and uh he stood up right and he held his bible under his arm and he walked very very proper up the steps and stood up behind the podium and opened his Bible and, and made the attempt to preach to that congregation. Obviously, uh, because of the way he was and his attitude, he just dropped his melon like so many of us have done so many times. And, and when he got through, he was so embarrassed that uh, he crawled down the steps and crawled up under the altar or under the first pew between the altar and the first pew, crawled up under there and, and uh, began to hide himself there just ashamed of the mess that he had made there was an old gentleman that walked up to him and and uh, tapped him on the shoulder after everyone had left and said son he said i've got a little word for you here i want to try to help you if i can he said if you would have went up to that pulpit the way you came down then you would have been able to come down the way that you went up and so the way that we approach the presence of god will determine what we are going to receive in the house of the Lord. I think so many times we walk in the house of God acting like that we're doing God a favor by coming, acting like that God, you know, I'm showed up now and I pour something out on me. 
when really it should be the other way around. God, I am not worthy to be in this house. I am not worthy to feel your presence. But, oh, Lord, God, somehow I want to give honor and glory to your name. I want to drink from the fountain of life because, God, I am thirsty. For blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I don't know about you tonight, but I have come hungry. I am thirsty for more of God than I have ever had. I was talking to our people in the pulpit last night at the end of the altar service, and, and uh, what a tremendous service it was, and I was weeping to them, and, and I was telling them I am hungry for God. I wanted us to move to the next plateau of the Spirit. I wanted us to step up one more step in the Holy Ghost because the hour demands it. Our city requires it. We cannot be the same apostolics that we've always been. We've got to pray more, fast more, worship better. We've got to give more of ourselves so that God's Spirit can move without constraint, without confines, so that He can move like He wants to move. I believe that the greatest chapter of God's church has not yet been written. I believe the greatest miracle has not yet been performed. I believe the greatest message has not yet been preached. Because until that time comes, he's going to lead us from glory to glory. And from faith to faith. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Praise God. And so we understand there is, a, a, there is an attitude in which we ought to approach the presence of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 57. Here's what the Lord said. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And oh my, the pride has got a hold of us now. We make more money than we've ever made. We drive better cars than we've ever driven. We live in better houses than we've ever lived. We look better and act better and eat better, and yet our attitude is not humble before the Lord. But if you want something from God, we have to come down to the level to say, God, I don't care how I live outside, but when I come in here, you are the King of kings, and I am your servant. I know I'm your son, but God, I want to humble myself in your presence. I'm not too good that I can't humble myself and get out of the aisle to worship, to dance, to run. I'm not too proud that I can't go to an altar and weep until my eyes become red, until my, my, my belly becomes sore, until I get a touch from God. Hallelujah. I've got to have a touch from God. The drive of my spirit, I've got to have a touch of God. I want to see revival in my church. I want to see revival in my city. But it's not going to come because we drive better and because our congregations are nicer. But somehow, if we can have the proper ascent to get in the presence of the Lord, to get in the holy place of God, where His glory can shine and the miracle can take place, that's what I desire with all of my heart. I wonder if anyone's hungry like that tonight. I believe I'm in a house full of people that's hungry. Amen. I thank God for the blessing that I got last night, but I've got to have another one tonight. I thank God for the revival that I had last year, but I've got to have a better one this year. I thank God for the people that God's added to our church last year, but I've got to add some more people this year. 
I want some more drug addicts to come in and get the Holy Ghost. I want to baptize some more folks that have broken families where God can put the pieces of their life back together again. I'm hungry for God. Hallelujah. And the way we respond to God tells everything about our character. It reflects the inward nature of a man. But most importantly, it will ultimately determine your eternal destiny. How you respond to God will grant grace or force Him to judge. Think about it through the Bible. Those that came to God with that stoic, proud attitude never received anything from God. But to those that would get on their hands and knees and say, Truth, Lord. Amen. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. If somehow we could realize the great, wonderful, powerful supply of power that God has and that He can do whatever we need Him to do, but He's waiting on us to get in the proper channel that we can line ourselves up with His will, that no flesh would glory in His presence so many times we grieve the Spirit of God because flesh gets more credit than God does. Flesh gets exalted. Talent gets exalted. And God doesn't get any of any of the glory at all. But somehow, I want to get behind the cross this week. I want to get behind the cross and say, God, it doesn't matter who you use. It doesn't matter what you want to do. But God, show us your glory. Would you lift your hands? Let's worship the Lord together. Praise the Lord. <coughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 34 and 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not, thou wilt not despise. Isaiah 66 and 2, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look even to him that is of the poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. We've got too many proud people today that are too proud to respond to the Word of God. But somehow, I want the Word of God to cut down deep into my spirit. Cut away my carnality. Cut away my pride. Cut away everything that hinders the move of God in my life. But, oh, God, reign through me. Let my hands be your hands. Let my feet be your feet. Let my mouth speak your words. Let my mind think your thoughts. I want to be a vessel of the Holy Ghost. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he said, I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Ah, my church needs a healing in it. Ah, our churches need a healing in it. Oh, God, we've got the same old problems year after year. But if somehow we can get to the place of humility where God can heal us of the same old problems and the those clicks and schisms and schisms that we have in our church. We need a healing. If we can humble ourselves and pray, then God can send a revival and He will purge out the iniquity and He'll purge out those things that hinder His hands. 
Praise God. Everybody say hallelujah. So many things that I want to read to you tonight. Let me read a few more scriptures that give us a snapshot of an humble attitude. Amen. Those throughout the Bible that got God's attention, like Josiah. Whenever he heard the reading of the law of God, he didn't point his finger at the preacher and say, Hey, listen, I don't want to hear that kind of preaching. The Bible said he humbled himself. He rent his garment, and God said, Because your heart was tender, and because you humbled yourself, I'm going to pour out some mercy. Listen, if you want the mercy of God on you, then you've got to get rid of that pride and haughty look that you have. It don't matter if your dress was $500. Are you wearing a $1,000 suit? That makes no impression to God. Sometimes I wonder if we're so blessed that it hurts the work of God in our life. Oh, God, if your suit's too good to shout in, then wear something you can shout in. If your shoes are too expensive that you can't run in them, then wear something you can run in. But, oh, God, I want to humble myself. I need a healing in my spirit. I need a healing in my mind. I need a revival in my city. Praise the Lord. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. Joel 2.13, and rend your heart and not your garment. Micah 6.8, but he said, O man, what is good? He said, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Matthew 5 and 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what? When we learn to humble ourselves and get the right attitude and approach God properly, He just opens the door and says, whatever you need in the kingdom, I'll give it to you. If you need a healing, I'll give it to you. If you need a blessing, I'll give it to you. If you need an answer, I'll give it to you. Poor in spirit. I don't have it on my own, God. Matthew 23, 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Oh, it's different in this world. They tell you to assert yourself. Wear, for, wear dress for success. When you go out in the world, prove something about how you look. Stand up straight. Look people in the eye. I think that's good to a certain extent. But oh, we have become a proud people. We have become a people that is devoid of humility. And God loves the humble soul if we can learn how to get ourselves in the position and approach his presence then we can receive more from God than we have ever received in our life praise God everybody say hallelujah I think one of our, our one of the reasons for our lack in this hour, and I am not saying that we're not having good church. I said it to our church last night. I talked to an elder. I remember my, my, my grandfather, when he passed away many years ago, he told me, he said, he was telling me as a grandson, he said, uh, I, they're, they're having better, we're having better church now than we had back in the storefront and in the brush harbor. And my, I'm going to tell you, it seemed like that church services get better and better and better. I don't look back at the past. I only look at that as a measuring stick. But we can't cannot go back and relive all of that. Hey, I believe that God's leading us on and lifting us up in the higher heights than we have ever been. 
but it's going to require something of us. We can't stand back and say, "What? Well, look what we have accomplished, and look where we have arrived. Oh, my God, the further up I climb closer to him, the less significant that I feel. Because the more you worship, the more you want to. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you read the Word, the more you want to read it. The more you humble yourself, the more you want to. But, oh, God, I want more of you. God, I want to humble myself so that you will reign on me. He said, whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? He said, they are like children sitting in the marketplace. We have become the connoisseurs, had the tasters of great services and of great preachers. We measure one preacher against another and one service against another when there are not two services that will ever be alike if God has his way. There'll never be two Sunday nights just alike. There'll never be two messages that will come just alike. God doesn't work that way. If he can make every snowflake different in its appearance and make every thumbprint different on every six billion that's in the world, then I know he can make every service in this camp totally different. But it should crescendo on the last night. This is a launching pad. But tomorrow night should be more powerful than tonight. And Wednesday night should be more powerful than tomorrow night and Thursday night we ought to blow the roof off of this thing hey let's don't wait till tomorrow night to get with it why don't we get loose with it tonight hallelujah he said, I'd piped to you and you've not danced. I've mourned to you and you've not, not lamented. And I've heard the story. Well, a lot of folks say this. Well, preacher, you know, I'm not, I'm not the emotional kind. I don't dance because I cry. And uh, I remember that happened. And, and I took a church that uh, is relatively old. It's been in existence over 80 years. And uh, there are some that have been around. They were taught an old doctrine years ago that was against any kind of emotional worship whatsoever. And one of the older ladies said, well, I, I get my blessings by crying. And that bothered me because whenever we started crying, she wasn't crying. You see, that was just a cop-out. You see, we find excuses not to do what we know we ought to do. Listen, when God pipes to you, you ought to dance. And when the Spirit mourns to you, you ought to lament. I don't want to have a lopsided experience. I want to learn how to rejoice, and I want to learn how to intercede at the same time. Amen. I've seen services go from one end of the spectrum to the other. I've seen it start out weeping and then turn out to where everyone was shouting, running, rolling, jumping, and screaming. And before the service was over, they were back on their feet, on their faces, weeping before God. I've seen it start out shouting, get to crying, and then the Holy Ghost move in and they shout till midnight. I've seen it all. Listen, I don't want to sell out just for one flavor. Hey, if you got 33 flavors of ice cream, why do we have to settle for vanilla every time? Hey, if God can do the miraculous, why do we expect him to be the same night after night? He wants to exceed his own greatness. Hallelujah. How do we respond to him? Tells everything about us. 
Amen. The Son of Man came. He said, John the Baptist came. He said, you didn't like him. And he said, then I've come and I was different. John the Baptist didn't eat and drink, but he was just out there baptizing. He was a strange fella out there on the backside of the desert, and you didn't understand him. You thought he was wild and weird. I came, and you think I'm wild and weird. He said, what are you looking for? Sometimes I wonder what we're looking for in church. I'm starting to feel better now. Hallelujah. Woo! Look out, devil. I'm going to preach you out of here tonight. Praise God. What are we looking for anyhow? We get it in our ideas in our mind. We want to pattern after this, that, or the other when God has something new in the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about standards. But I'm talking about places in the Holy Ghost that we have never been. I don't want to stay in the outer court. I want to get in the holy place. I want to dwell where angels tread. I'll be honest with you, Pentecost has got themselves to a place in many circles to where they are a mile wide and a thimble deep. Oh, God, and that only, all that does is breed mosquitoes and diseases and all kinds of carnality. We need more than just a shaking of the leg and everyone get excited off some fast beat song. We need a deep move of the Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with shouting, but I think it ought to go deep. It ought to come from our heart. It ought to come not from our head, not from our flesh, not just from our emotions, but from the very soul and spirit of a man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then I got to thinking about uh, the Queen of Sheba. And, you know, and, and really, 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 when you think about it, that wonderful temple some uh, years ago, I believe it's in the 60s, somebody took uh, the, the, the gold and all of that and tried to get a worth of what uh, gold was worth per ounce back then. And that building back in those days, they said it cost more to build that small temple than it did to build the Empire State Building. Somewhere between 6 and $10 billion. It was an impressive piece of architecture. Gold was everywhere. Cedar was everywhere. It was one beautiful place. But the Bible said when the Queen of Sheba came, she'd heard all these stories. And the world hears all these stories. Can I back away and just say this? Let me go up on this tangent a little bit. When we tell them that when they come to our church, they're going to see us running the aisles, and they're going to see us being apostolic, don't be guilty of lying to them. When they come in the door to camp meeting, if sinners come in here, they didn't come to see a Baptist display. They didn't come to let it be just like the charismatic church somewhere on the corner in Tulsa. But oh, they want to some, see something different. You know why? Because the apostolic church is different. We are different. They've heard the stories. They've heard about the preachers that preach. They've heard about the stoutness of our message. They've heard about our standards. They've heard about our worship. And when they come in, they make the trip. I'm going to tell you, they'll drive all the way across town to find some bloody that will meet their needs, to find a God in a church. They don't mind giving up the world if they can live a little bit. 
They're tired of dying. Let's not give them a dead church. They're already dead. You may be seated. She drove across the hot sands hundreds of miles across the Arabian desert because she'd heard the stories. She'd heard about the king of Israel. She had heard about all the riches and all of that, but she had some questions in her mind. Amen. When she got over to Solomon, the Bible said that, that he answered all of her questions. There was nothing that he didn't have an answer for. And I'm going to tell you, the wisdom of God has an answer for every question that comes up in the world. I tell them at home, everything we do in this church comes right out of the Bible. Comes right out of the Bible. Now, remember when I went there 12 and a half years ago and was preaching to them, I told them, I said, listen, we're going to preach the Bible. If it's not in there, we're not going to worry about it. But if it's in the Bible, we're going to preach it. And some of them breathed a sigh of relief. But the problem was they didn't know what was in there. There was a lot of it in that Bible they didn't know was in there. Well, glory to God. I worship. Our standard of holiness is in the Word of God. The principles of it's in the Word of God. Praise God. We have an answer. We have an answer for it. Amen. I can show you Scripture for running the aisles. I can show you Scripture for dancing in the Spirit. I can show you the Scripture why we don't have a video or television and why we don't wear jewelry. I, I've got Scripture for that. I've got Scripture to prove to you why I'm not a Trinitarian. Well, am I preaching to one God folk here tonight? I walked up to the pulpit last night, and oh, I felt like reading Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 8 and 9. And I said, what did the apostle Paul preach? And I went to Acts chapter 19 and so told them before our evangelists came to preach last night. I said, the apostle Paul preached repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. I said, any other gospel than that, any other salvation than that is accursed. Little did I know we had two Mormon elders sitting back on the back pew. It's all they could take. They quietly moved on out. They'd been there before. They felt the presence of the Lord. They'd come one more time, I'll get one of them. I'll get them, I'll get them, I'll get them. I want to plant a seed in the hearts of those out in the world that Joseph Smith's not a prophet. He's a false prophet. And Moroni is a demon from hell. Well, he is. We got an answer. We got an answer. You may be seen. We got an answer. She came searching for answers. Oh, and can I say, if you're here tonight and you're not an apostolic, it's worth whatever you got to do to get here. <laughs> it don't matter how many miles of the desert you got to cross. It doesn't matter what you've got to give up. I'm going to tell you, whatever you give up is nothing in comparison to what you're going to get in return. It's like trading a trash can for a brand new Cadillac. Uh-huh. Praise God. Come on, can I have anybody give me a witness on that right here? Praise God, I didn't quit dancing. I just changed partners. And why would you want to smoke when you can be on fire? 
can get drunk on the Holy Ghost and I know exactly what I did the next day. Everybody say hallelujah. I wouldn't trade this for nothing. You may be seated. I've got one couple that drives 80 miles one way. And they don't miss any church. Don't miss any church. Because they say it's worth the drive to a church that's alive. Hey, the Queen of Sheba will drive because she got questions. And when she got there, and I'm sure she was impressed with the, the attendance and, and their clothing and, and, and the temple and all of its gold because that was the only building of its kind. It was so glorious that nothing compared to it even to this day. But the Bible said that when she saw his ascent. Now she loved the cupbearers. And she was impressed because he had the wisdom to answer her questions. She was impressed with the temple and all of its beauty. But when she saw the ascent of the king into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. There was something in how he approached and what he got that was more impressive than his palace, that was more impressive than his robe, that was more impressive than the throne that he sat on with the 12 oxen underneath. Come on now. Everybody say hallelujah. When she saw that, she could not fathom it because she, he knew how to approach the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And not only did he know how to approach, he knew how to get the attention of God. Maybe she probably thought, such a proud man, such a man that has every opportunity in all the world to be proud, and yet look at how he ascends. Look at how he approaches his God. Oh, listen, because you can build buildings, and you can wear apparel, and you can all, but I'm going to tell you, there's only one God. And when God begins to move in a special way, it cannot be duplicated. It cannot be fabricated. It's either real or fake. Now, you may, you may have been around a lot. You might see a lot of shouting, and you don't, may not know how to tell uh, uh, the real from the fake. But I'm going to tell you, they come out from the world, and they can tell what's real and what's not real. That's why we've got to be real. Got to be real. We've got to be real. We've got to be real. They're tired of their Tammy Faye Bakers. whose face they read like a ski report, three inches of powder, four inches of pat. They're tired of the Jim Bakers and the Jimmy Swaggers. Oh, God. They want something real. They don't want to just see somebody dance a little bit. They want to feel when somebody's dancing. They want to feel that, too. Hallelujah. There's a proper ascent to the house of the Lord. Matter of fact, when you begin to look at the Psalms, Psalms 120, all the way down to Psalm 134, I believe 134 is the last. If you look in your Bible, you'll see right above them, they say the songs of ascent. Or, the, or I, I can't remember exactly the word, but they were songs of ascent. What that meant was that when they were coming from all over Israel, when they were coming from the northern tribes, and they were walking through the hills and the valleys. These were the psalms that they sang. 
This was the song book they brought. They memorized these things in their mind. And they were going to the house of the Lord. Before they ever got there, they were having church. You know why it takes so long? Oh, God. You know why it takes 30 minutes of pumping and priming of the man trying to lead the singing to get us on our feet? It's because we don't come to church until we get here. You need to start coming to church and start having church on the way here. Ah, when you're brushing your teeth, you ought to be thinking, Oh, I can't wait to get there, God. Lord, what are you going to talk to us about tonight? When you're driving down the road, instead of, instead of screaming at the kids and fussing at the wife, maybe you ought to be singing some songs of Zion. Children, we're on our way to church. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Come on, we need to put that in our children. We need to put it in our young people. So that when we get here for prayer meeting, they're not always congregated back at the water fountain or going to the bathroom a dozen times, but they come to get in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I was driving from the airport. My mind was about what God was going to do tonight. Not just because I was up here, I knew I had to preach tonight. And I know that that plays a significant part about all of that. But I was coming to church long before I started getting ready for church. I wanted my heart to be ready. Because when I walk through the door, I want to make sure that my transmitter receiver is on the same frequency that heaven is on. Because I know he can be talking. But if I'm not on the same channel, I'll never hear what he's got to say to me. I wonder what God's going to tell us this week. I wonder what God wants to tell this camp meeting this week. We need to synchronize our soul. We need to synchronize our mind to where we can hear and have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's seven Hebrew words in the Old Testament that refer to worship, and they're translated praise, most of them, or they have in reference to praise. And uh, I don't know if they go in all this order, but I have arranged seven of them. Now I want to bring them to your attention because it seems to me that these are steps of ascent that go into the house of the Lord, into the presence of God, into the holy place. The first word is, the Hebrew word is todah. And it actually means, it, it actually comes in, and you can see it translated in the King James, that it is a sacrifice of praise. Meaning that there is an amount of human will that determines praise. That todah means, I, I really don't want to and I don't feel like it, but I'm going to worship anyhow. I'm going to bring a sacrifice of God. I'm going to bring a sacrifice to the kingdom of God. Amen. Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's todah. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Not because I feel like it, but I've got a conscious thing in my mind that when I go there, I'm going to give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Even if I don't feel good, I'm going to praise him in the house. 
Even if they're not singing the favorite song, I'm going to praise Him in the house. I really, my flesh really don't want to, but I'm making my mind up. I'm going to church, and I'm going to offer a sacrifice. I'm going to Todah. Uh, and then, and then I get to the next step. Second Hebrew word, yada. Uh, it means, uh, actually when you go to the original and to the root, you begin to find out that it is an intensity, meaning I've caught fire. I come in and I didn't really feel like praising him, but I praised him anyhow, and all of a sudden now I want to. Oh, how many times we come out of the job and we're dragging our feet and we're tired. We've got a lot of miles on us. We don't really feel like praising, but we praise Him anyhow. And all of a sudden, something happens and we catch fire. And now the preacher don't ask me to lift my hands. I do it because I want to. And the preacher don't ask me to clap my hands. I do it because I want to. Preacher don't have to ask me to praise God, but I'm doing it because I want to. I've caught fire. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And you know you've been there. Some of you have come in here, and no, oh, you didn't feel like it in body. I've come to church many times. There have been many times I've sat back in my office. It seemed like Sunday night was I have a mind, the mind of the Lord for the church. I'll be sitting back at the desk. My wife will come back to the office. It's about three minutes till church time. I'll say, honey, I said, baby, you better pray for me. I've got a headache so bad I'm sick at my stomach. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know if I can just get to that pulpit. I remember one time that I had a relapse of strep throat, and I was sitting back there burning up with fever. And my wife said, baby, what are you going to do? I said, if I can just get on that platform, I'm going to be all right. And when I got up there, the fever broke. We preached and God filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you can just press through and go beyond of doing that as a sacrifice, you will catch fire. That's why these singers are singing, because they're hoping that somehow that your wood will catch fire. And you'll begin to praise God regardless if there's any music playing, regardless if anybody else is or not, because you have caught fire. Uh, and then the third is Shavak, uh, meaning glory to keep in the praise and triumph. Uh, literally means I am, I, I feel clean now. <laughs> Didn't feel like it, but I praised him anyhow. And all of a sudden, whoa, caught fire. Want to. And after I praised him a little while, now I don't have this guilt and condemnation on me anymore. I feel clean. I feel like God's washing me. All of a sudden, all that weight on my shoulders is lifted up. I'm talking about the proper ascent to the house of the Lord. I want to get to the holy place. I want to get to the holy place. Oh, that's what the word Shabbat is what's used in Psalms. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. So I was glad. I was Shabbat. I felt clean. And then the word Hallel, which comes from, uh, the, which makes up our word Hallelujah. If I say Hallelujah, it literally means to be clamorously foolish or to play like a child.
in the now. Then all of a sudden, you go, whoo, man, I'm feeling something. Oh. Then all of a sudden, whoo, man, I'm really feeling good now. And all of a sudden, that feel good just starts getting in your feet. You, you start acting like a child. That's what happens when you start running the aisles. You don't run them because somebody else is. But you're walking and you're making an approach to the presence of the almighty God. Oh, praise God. You see, that's where pre-service prayer comes in. See, because when we start service, that's where we ought to start the clamorously foolishness. You see, because when we come into the house of God, if it takes a song leader pumping us up before we finally get on fire and we finally feel clean, we ought to get that in prayer meeting. That prayer ought to be so fervent and so hot, so white hot, that oh, when the service starts, all of a sudden there's everyone leaping to their feet. They've got a praise in their hearts. Their hands are lifted because they want to give God praise. Make it your business to be early for church. Oh, God, am I hitting a stump right here? My God, we ought to have pre-service prayer that ought to shake the rafters of our church so that when church gets started, the anointing is on the song leader and the anointing is on the choir director and the anointing is on the keyboard player and the anointing is on everybody. To hello, to play clamorously, foolish as a child. And then we go to the another step up, and it's zamar, which means to add substance. The thing for it praises to give a little bit more. And so now I shout, but my voice is not loud enough. I sing, but my voice is not loud enough. So I need some stringed instrument. And I need a drum. Uh, praise you, the Lord. Praise God, the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psalter and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbal. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbal. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I want to scream, but I can't scream loud enough. So help me, guitar player. Help me, drum player. Help me, musicians, that I can add substance to my praise. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know what? So many times, and I'm not trying to be negative here, but so many times we think that the ultimate stops right there. You know, get, the, get that choir up here. Get everybody singing and shouting. A lot of services end that way. I'm not saying that's bad. But that ought to prepare the way for more. Barak, six words to praise, which actually means to bow down, to crouch, to make obeisance. Finally, I've prayed, I've shouted, I've ran till I can't run no more. 
I've played instruments. I've done all until I can't go anymore. Until finally I said, all right, God, I am poured out. I'd bow my knees to him. You know, in our day and hour that we live in, and, I, and I, I've already told you I feel like we live in some of the most powerful days of the church in this, in this century. I believe that. But I've heard old-timers speak about things that we have so ignorantly glossed over. One of them that I want to bring to your attention is the holy hut. When that happens in a congregation now, if, if there's, there's some that get it all in their mind, it's not time to wait on God. Come on, let's get on the piano. Let's get on the organ. Come on, we got it. It's too quiet in here when God might be calling for a holy hunt. When we have poured all of our emotion out until finally we are in a state of total adoration. That ought to happen when the preacher gets through preaching. Oh, there could be some shouting and contending until we finally prostrate ourselves. To say God means to fall down and prostrate myself. That quiet place before the veil. God, I have got to the place where I have nothing left to say. Spirit makes intercession. The groanings and moanings that cannot be uttered. God, I can't pray. I know nothing else to say. It is coming from here. My mind can't think of anything else. Oh, God. We seldom get there. And then the last I, the last word here is to hear you. I don't, I, I'm just preaching this as I feel it. It was a revelation to me. It is a deep form of laudation or singing. This is the place where God sings to you. This is where revelation comes. Because you're not going to get convictions while you're running. And you're not going to get a revelation of the oneness of God while you're jumping up and down. And I am not preaching against worship. But somewhere we've got to get so deep in the Holy Ghost. Humble ourselves to where God can talk to us. I remember when our kids were babies and they're old now. They'd cry in the middle of the night. Sometimes they'd wake up with colic. Robert Jr., my oldest boy, my only boy, 20 years old now, Mama would pick him up in the middle of the night, take him out in the living room. Sometimes when the lightning and the thunder would roll, it would scare him, scare Ashley too. And, uh, Maybe the noises of the night or the dark, and they'd, they'd wake up scared, and maybe with a dream, and mom would pick up those babies. Sometimes I would, but you know, daddies usually have a tendency to sleep through those kind of things. Yeah. Mama picked them up, took them out to the rocking chair, started singing to them. I don't know what they sing, you know, hush, little baby, don't say a word. You know, all these little, and, and, and those little babies will just open up them big brown or blue eyes and they'll look at you and, and everything's all right. The 
I'm going to tell you something. I have been through places of late in the last few years that I needed God to pick me up. I didn't know what was going on. Sing to me, Lord Jesus. When times and situations and problems that I have laid on my face and I've wept, God, I don't know. Where else do I go? God, I'm scared. Sorry if that ruins your opinion of a preacher. I don't mean it to. But there are situations that come up, and problems and battles and, 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 and all kinds of things that, that rattle your mind and soul. And yes, I shout and I run. I've gone to church before. There have been many times. I know these men of God have done this before. I've walked out of the office and I had dealt with problems. And I was so distraught with the, with the problems that I had to deal with. And I was up to my neck. And I remember in one service I didn't feel God. I was so upset with things that I had to deal with. And the Holy Ghost was moving on other folks. I closed my eyes and I began to dance. I said, God, this one's for you. I don't feel you, but this one's for you. So I'm telling you, I believe in doing that. But oh, there were times I thought, oh, the Lord would pick me up in His arms. <laughs> it's going to be all right, son. In my arms. I said, those deep times. The Lord sings. You get a picture of what this is. Like you've never been anywhere else. I'm going to try to land this thing, but we've heard the song. D.T. Hayward wrote, I see a crimson stream of blood. Seven days in his office, praying, fasting, not eating. Told this story. He walked out of his office and right straight to the platform one Sunday morning. And those seven days of praying and fasting for direction and problems that he had had to deal with. He sung that song, I see a crimson stream of blood. Brothers and Tom Johnson was in our church several years ago and he told a story I never will forget. He said that he had got the message that his mother had passed away. Couldn't catch a flight out till that afternoon. That was on Sunday, early Sunday morning. His wife said, well, we going to drive out now? I said, no, I, I want to go to church today. And they had an evangelist there. I don't know who the evangelist was. He didn't say said he didn't feel like going to the platform that morning because he was grieving. And he said the evangelist got up and mentioned that Brother Johnson's mother passed away and she wanted to her and Mama Jay sitting right over here on the side. There's a precious man in the church, Brother Emery. His wife's not in the church. His good black brother's been with him ever since he's been in Colorado Springs. Loves God. 
prayed and stood with that good man as they gathered around and started praying. Brother Emery made his way through the crowd. Reached down and picked Brother Thompson up in his arms and began to rock him. Brother Johnson said in that story that he didn't know how much I needed that. There are times, brothers and sisters, you are going to get in problems and situations that you're going to need more than just a jig, more than just a jerk. But if you can walk your way through and get in that holy place, then He'll take you out. <laughs> dry your tears. Sing it. Sing to you. Maybe I talked to somebody now. Shall we sing? Maybe I'm talking to somebody tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been dragging yourself through these dilemmas for some time now. No one really knows the turmoil on this first night of prayer. The word of the Holy Ghost that spoke to me this afternoon while I was driving here. So I want you to pick somebody up. And sing to No, this may not be a masterpiece of a sermon. That doesn't matter. That's not important at all. There's somebody in this room tonight. The Lord let me know you were hurting too. He wants to pick you up. He wants to sing to you. I wonder if it's too late that we couldn't wait on the Lord just a little bit. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. There's a storm in my heart, Lord. Maybe you're a young person and your parents have backslidden. Maybe your wife and your husband have backslidden. Turmoil, you don't have any answers for. God wants to pick you up tonight and hug you. Sing to you. Saints, can we pray together right now? I want to open these altars up. God's dealing with somebody here tonight deeply. You know what I feel? The one that God's really dealing with. No one even knows the turmoil that you've been going through. You've, you've been a silent sufferer. God wants to pick you up and hold you tonight. Can you take time to find Him like that? Would you lift your hands and pray as they sing? These altars are open for you to come.